Welcome to Two Hours No Traffic. This is your New York City, Philadelphia sports podcast. It takes two hours with virtually no traffic to get from New York City to Philly. I don't know if I ever explained the name of the show to the audience. No, but we just kind of threw it at them and we were like, you know, here it is. Deal with it. There you go. That's my co-host, Brandon Farron. I am your host, Spencer Harris, and we got... A jam-packed episode today, a ton happening right now. I want to start with the NBA offseason officially beginning, Brandon, because we had our first Adrian Wojnarowski tweet, or significant tweet of the season. We had a trade between Memphis and New Orleans. It was Jonas Valanciunas for Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, and Picks. The, the trade is pointless and means nothing in the long run, but it was just nice to see a real classic Woj bomb. Yeah, it's been a little while. Um, it was a shame, like I said, it came out to that one because in all likelihood, most of the guys aren't even staying with the teams they were traded to. Um, but like I said, it's exciting. I, I, everyone loves trades in the offseason, so it's nice to finally see it happen. I think just because there were like two or three picks on each side and there was like six or seven actual assets mentioned in the trade. That's why it was a blockbuster. Like if you just told me it was Steven Adams for, uh, or Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe for just Jonas Valanciunas, I would have, I wouldn't have been as pumped. The fact that you added like five or six picks in there, mm-hmm. it, it made it cool. And they're saying Bledsoe's moving pretty much immediately. Like really? Yeah. He, they're not planning on starting the season with him on the roster. So the Grizzlies and the Pelicans are automatically better without Eric Bledsoe on their roster. It, it, yeah, honestly, Eric Bledsoe just become like untouchable. He's not an awful ball player, I don't think. I think people just expect way too much out of the guy. Um, so off season news. This is a New York City, Philadelphia podcast. I want to get into a ton of Brooklyn Nets news right now, Brandon. And I start with Kevin Durant making some comments regarding the big three all re-signing this summer in Brooklyn. So they asked him, they were like, you know, what are some factors that go into it? He said, you like being in that environment, first of all. You enjoy playing the game. That's the most important thing. I think we all three enjoy playing with each other. But that's a personal thing, and guys are different. I'm sure when the time is right, we'll all make the right decision for ourselves. Pretty cryptic, not really saying anything we didn't know. Like, of course, they like playing with each other. It's it's not always about that. It can be about money. It can be about this. Having said all that, I have a very strong feeling that all three guys will re-sign in Brooklyn, primarily Kyrie Irving. And we'll get into some stuff with him in a little bit, but I think that the Nets are one of the only teams in this league who are like willing to kind of deal with everything controversial that happens with Kyrie. So that, that's my take on that. Yeah, Um and on the flip side of that, I mean, I'm sure as nice as the Nets are as people and they're willing to deal with Kyrie and all that, um, his stock isn't really high at the moment. Um, not because of anything he's done wrong. He is just not the guy that he was in Cleveland and he hasn't been since he left. Okay. Um, so, like, the market that was once out there for a superstar point guard, we, which we all thought Kyrie was, it's definitely cooled off quite a bit in the Boston slash Brooklyn net years. Do you think that the Nets don't re-sign him? No, I think the Nets absolutely do. I'm saying I think it'll be easier to do so. Like when you were saying that the Nets are willing to put up with all that, I think right. that's absolutely true. Right. But I don't think the entire reason he comes back is because like the Nets' altruism. I also think that the market 
for Kyrie is not as huge as it would be, um, say, he, had he just left the Cavs. I'm with you. Um, I think that, you know, that's his his motivation or, or Kyrie's, I, I guess, reason that he'll resign is, like you said, Brooklyn's flexibility with him and and their, I guess, patience with, with everything that happens off the court. Uh, I think James Harden resigns because this is – the place that he can not only win one championship, but if the Nets are elite, they can win two or three championships before these guys are out of their prime. So I think that's the reason Harden resigns to get at least one. And and KD is, is the clear leader of these guys. Um, I don't see him wanting to go anywhere for the foreseeable future. His business is in Brooklyn. Uh, so I think that there's a very strong probability all of them resign and, and long-term extensions this summer. Uh so I mentioned Kyrie Irving a little bit before. Did you see this this Nike news with him? I have not yet. No. Okay. So so basically, Nike is is putting out a shoe. It's a it's a Ky, Kyrie Eight. Um, they have a, a very historic partnership because they've made a gajillion dollars together. Everyone likes Kyrie's shoes. They're 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 nice, except Dennis Schroeder. He might be the only guy who doesn't like his shoes. But um, so Kyrie posted an Instagram today, and he wrote. I have nothing to do with the design or marketing of the upcoming hashtag Kyrie 8. In my opinion, these are trash. I have absolutely nothing to do with them. Nike plans to release it without my okay, regardless of what I say. So I apologize in advance to all my sneakerheads and true supporters of the hashtag Kai11 brand. And he took a picture of the shoe. That's what they look like. Ew. Um, yeah, so I guess if you were Kyrie Irving, would you be equally as pissed off about this? Yeah, they look like those old, like, and one shoes you used to see people wear when they, when shorts used to go down to your calves. Like, that's, that's kind of the era those shoes remind me of. I would really love it if Dennis Schroeder, like, because he said he would never wear Kyrie Irving shoes again, if those are the shoes that he went and got and he wore them, like, just, just to trash or, or troll Kyrie. I mean, <laughs> I'd be pretty petty, but it's also like at what cost? Because like guys who don't know what you're doing are going to be laughing at your shoe game. So I don't know. Do you see PJ? Well, we're talking about shoes, it doesn't come up that often. Do you see PJ Tucker was wearing Giannis's shoes that Giannis doesn't even own yet? No, I didn't see that. That's pretty he, sick. He got Giannis's new shoe before it hit the public, and apparently before they were able to send one to Giannis. So he ran into him in the locker room wearing like his new signature shoe, and he was like, "Yo, dude, where the hell did you get that?" I don't even have that yet, and it's my own like signature brand. PJ Tucker is a known uh, sneaker king in the NBA, right? Uh, he's got some of the freshest pairs of sneaks around the league. Yeah, on any given season, he could wear a different pair every game. Um, was the last I heard. Because he did an interview on the on um, the jump before that whole thing went sideways, and he said right. that he has just about a pair of shoes per game per season. That is fucking insane. Yeah. His um, his sneaker closet has to be bigger than my entire apartment, and I have a two bedroom apartment. Well, then it's double mine. <laughs> but um, uh, while we were talking about um, this New York basketball stuff, um, I heard you know, well, you and I both kind of agreed was the architect of that offense is going to be stepping away from the Nets this season. Uh, Dan Tony will not be back. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I saw that. Um, that was in my notes. I'm not sure if it matters all that much. I mean. You don't need Mike D'Antoni to be successful with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Steve Nash. If any, I'm sorry, <laughs> Kyrie Irving. If anything, 
this team is going to be a now more controlled by Nash. So instead of D'Antoni running the offense, he'll have a direct kind of, I guess, communication regarding what they want to run on. Oh, with the big three. And I just think that, you know, I, I don't know. D'Antoni's never won a championship. So why is it a big, I mean, he's, he's been a great coach, but like, he's never won the big game. I don't, I don't need him on my staff. The, the Nets lost a few guys this, this year. They already lost Udoka. Um, I think they lost their, their player or their director of scouting or someone, but it happens. I mean, when you're that good a team, you're the second seed in the East, the next season, guys are going to step down. You're going to lose guys. As long as you still have Steve Nash, you're fine. Don't worry about the assistants that go and come. Yeah, I think we look at this Nets team so very differently um, because I think a lot of your success last year had to do with the fact that Steve Nash was surrounded by a former head coach and an incredibly seasoned assistant coach, which is fine. I mean, it doesn't take away from anything Steve Nash did. He managed them well. Um, but he was it was his first time first time being a head coach with limited coaching experience and whatever um, Golden State gave him. And he was tasked with, you know, not only have a good season, but win a championship right out of the gate. Um, so I think those guys being in the locker room made a big difference, if only for a year. I'm interested to see this year how far Steve Nash has come, because this really is going to be his team, his show, um, defense and offense. So I, I think it means a little bit more than you might be giving him credit for. All right, we shall see. Some more Nets news. The Lakers and the Mavericks are interested in trading for Landry Shamit, potentially their first-round draft pick. The Nets have 27, so they would have to move up. Um, this is weird because the Nets traded a first-round draft pick, I think 19th overall last year, for Landry Shamit. Turned out to be Sadiq Bey. What a pretty good rookie campaign with Detroit. He was a very solid player. Um, Shamit was inconsistent at times. He looked great at times. He, he couldn't shoot at all. So it's an, it's an interesting piece for the nets. Um, he's expendable, but at the same time, three point shooting is shooting is extremely important, uh, in the NBA. So I'm not sure. How, how do you feel about this? Do you think that they should make the trade and move up in the first round? Um, I'm, I'm more le like leaning towards just holding on to Shamit. Um, We'll get into the draft later on because you and I are both horribly uneducated when it comes to the draft. Um, but you don't need – like moving up in the draft to me are teams who are looking for somebody to become a star or somebody to become another starter. Right. They're not really in that place. You need somebody who can hit, hit threes somewhat consistently. And if nothing else, Landry Shamit will do that. I think you stand like stand pat, keep him, um, and maybe find a difference maker later on in the draft. I mean, like the late first round, early second round still has a couple gems in it that slide, especially shooters. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, 27th in the first round is not a bad pick, and this is supposed to be a loaded draft class. Why would you give up Shamit to move up five or six spaces? Just doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, not worth uh, it. Um, there is yeah. another team in New York, though, um, who's – really looking to move up in a big way. Um, and that is the Knicks. Apparently they are looking to move up from their 14 spot. Um, and they're willing to give up multiple picks in order to do so. Um, do you think, do you think the Knicks should be going after quantity or quality in this draft? I mean, if you're the Knicks and you can get a top five pick, that's a no brainer. Like you look at, you look at the top five projected guys, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, and Davion Mitchell. All five of those guys have been talked about as being NBA stud, like potential NBA studs. 
Uh, Davion Mitchell was just won a national championship on Baylor. Uh, Suggs was Gonzaga. And then you had Jalen Green, who was great in the G League. The Fred Kate Cunningham is going to be a star. So if I'm the Knicks and you can get in the top five, then absolutely. Um, after five, I don't know. It, it, I think it drops off a little bit. So if you're going to go from like 14 to nine or eight, probably not worth it. Um, but they're trying to make a splash, man. The Knicks are trying to, you know, they were the four seed last, last year in a weird playoff th- scenario. But if you can get another young stud to pair with Barrett, you, you already have Randall, you can really compete in the East. Yeah. Um, from what I'm reading, they don't seem to be willing to give up what it's going to take to get into the top five. Um, like I mentioned, like the 14 pick is what they kind of have their eye on right now. Golden State currently holds both seven and 14. Uh, the Knicks already made an offer, um, which Golden State turned down. They're planning on using both of those picks. So now we're getting some other some other names that like New York could possibly be going after. Um, apparently, the Thunder are willing to move on from Shea Gilgis-Alexander um, in their perennial rebuild. That's somebody exciting the Knicks could go out and try to get. Um, Ugh, you want an SGA Julius Randle team? That like, I don't know about that. I don't know what that deal would entail, or you know how much you'd have to give up to get them. I'm assuming less than it would take to get into a top five situation now in the draft. Can I can I tell you my problem with SGA? I, I like his game, but he's a scoring, undersized guard, right? He's he shoot first. Yeah. He's not really like built. He's kind of lanky. Um, let me let me look up his height because now now I'm very very interested. But I just don't know if he like makes your team into a title contender. By the way, he's he's six five with a wingspan of six eleven. So he is he's a little bit taller than I gave him credit for. But he's like he's not. I don't I don't see him as a, a franchise centerpiece for a competitive playoff team. Well, yeah, and I don't think they're at least I'm from what I've understood. I don't think they're planning on him being one. I think it's um it's an alternative to giving up future pieces to get a top five. This would be certainly an improvement over you know their current guard situation, but I don't think they're expecting him to be the new number one. Unfortunately, that would still be uh, Julius Randle until Barrett's ready. All right, so we covered the Nets, we covered the Knicks. We got to get into your Philadelphia 76ers. Um, There was a a trade package that was floated out there. I actually sent it to you uh, a few. uh, This is this is yesterday. But the Philadelphia 76ers wanted four first round draft picks, three pick swaps and a young player from the Spurs in exchange for Ben Simmons. I believe that trade was turned down by San Antonio. Um, This is ludicrous. Like what what? realistically can the Sixers get and are they even going to move on from him? Yeah, that package they're asking for is more than Portland's even looking for for Dane, which is insane to me. Um, I mean, I think in order for in order to move Simmons, I'm, I would need a, you know, a starting guard who can do or starting one through three who can do two thirds of the things Simmons can do. I don't need an elite defender. I need somebody who can score and I would say facilitate on a level close to what Ben Simmons provided you. Um, Cause that was massive. That's the only thing he did for that team was he was a great facilitator. You got to give him that. What if the Oklahoma city thunder traded you shy Gilgis Alexander and Luke ends Dortz and picks for Ben Simmons. 
Um, it would have those picks would have to be first, I think, for that one. Because like we were just saying, I mean, SGA doesn't move the needle too much for a Knicks team who's below the Sixers. So once you're at that one-two caliber level, SGA is really a drop in the bucket. Um, it now that's the thing. I mean, if the picks blew the Sixers away and we could get somebody young and promising in like the first half of the draft, then I think you seriously consider it. But there would have to be some really sweet picks to move Ben Simmons for anything SGA related. Draft rumors include the Thunder and Raptors exploring trade talks, the Cavs asking for a huge return and potential offer, including Shea Gilgis Alexander. So either the Raptors or the Cavs can end up with SGA after this, after uh, I guess the next few days. The Very Thunder interesting are clearly stuff. Trying to move them, but this is a long re- like Thunder rebuild. And I know last year they made it to the playoffs, but that was not the plan. That was still a rebuild year, and Chris Paul drugged them there. Yeah, but I feel they've been doing this. Like the Sixers blew the team up for about two to three years, and then dealt with the consequences for a long time. The Oklahoma City—they've been blowing this team up for a while. Who is the original guy who started? Like the okay, is that Sam Presti? No, Sam Presti's been there through like the great years and the um the come down. So. He is their GM. He's the one that started the teardown. But since two thousand seven, he's been the GM. Holy yeah. shit! They didn't Damn. bring him in to break it down. It was just while he was there, he went this way. But I guess you could say that the true beginning of the end was when Paul George and Russ both walked out the door. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, and also they might add Aaron Holiday. Your seventy sixers. I saw this. I thought it was funny. Look, the Bucks added a Holiday, and they won the championship. Maybe you guys can. Have that same fortune. I would like the other holiday, like you know, the one we we sent packing. Um, I want to say in at least indirectly for Andrew Bynum, which was exciting. It was either Andrew Bynum or Michael Carter Williams, both of which were depressing. Is is the there's the third brother, Justin Holiday? Yeah, is he Drew still in the Justin league? And uh, yes, I think he plays for the maybe Bulls. Chicago. Yeah, you might be right. I'll I'll fact check that in a second. Um, okay. So that, I mean, that, that's all our, uh, our team's basketball news. We do have the NBA draft coming up later today. As you mentioned earlier in the podcast, we are highly uneducated on this draft, but I mean, what are you most looking forward to tonight? The only guy that in the draft that I watched like routinely was Cade Cunningham. So I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes. Cause depending on what team takes him, he's going to have a huge trajectory on his career. Um, cause you know, golden state is early. They're, they're in the top 10. They're at seven. If they add him, he becomes an extra weapon on the team. It's already great. If a rebuilding team adds him, you know, like the thunder or somebody else, then you're going to kind of wallow in like, you know, relative, you know, like I don't know, ghostness or whatever for a few years until that team is half decent. So I'm excited to see where he goes. As always, I'm looking forward to seeing where, you know, the various Villanova, um, alum go. But other than that, I'm not too stoked about this year's draft. Sixers pick late, and that's pick late. Um, I'll learn about the guys once you pick them. Yeah, I'm hoping for a blockbuster trade, something crazy that happens. I don't know. LeBron gets traded to the Suns <laughs> or something and plays with Chris Paul. Uh, no. something. I mean, maybe if Ben is going to move, tonight is one of the flashpoints where it could happen. I don't think it happens on a random Tuesday. I think it happens like on a day where a lot's already going on. So he could move because of the draft. I'm I'm excited to see a lot of these dudes attire. I mean, um, it's always fun to watch, you know, someone get drafted, the joy on their face, but they're always they're always in some nice suit. 
Uh, most people, you know, do they kiss their mom? Do they kiss their girlfriend? Um, are they even there? Sometimes they're on Skype at their at their place. You know, I'm I'm just describing an NBA draft to you, but at the same time, I'm I haven't I'm excited for that experience. You know, we had a two year pandemic. It's or a one year pandemic. It's exciting to uh, to to get to watch live drafts again. Yeah, um, I'm I can't wait for ESPN to take the brightest moment of these young men's lives and ask them about how their mom yep. tragically died in a car accident when they were eleven. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. ESPN loves to take the darkest moment from every single young athlete's life and just highlight it for the entire country to see. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I know it's a ratings thing, but, Dan, it's got to be a real emotional roller coaster. You get drafted and then, hey, remember that you know, your whole family burned alive? Talk about that real quick. Like, come on. I just want to get drunk with the boys. Like, I'm, I want to celebrate. It honestly sounds like an SNL skit. Like, I feel like you have Jason Sudeikis play the interviewer and he just asks these, like, horrible questions and – yeah, I mean, it happens every year. Um, all right, so that does it for the NBA draft. Uh, now we have a segment I like to call Scattered News. So we'll bounce around here a bit. But I want to start with Daniel Jones looking good in practice and the Giants are poised for a breakout season. Blink twice if you're okay. I <laughs> Yeah. The fact no, that I, you just I, came on this podcast voluntarily <laughs> and said something nice about Daniel Jones. I, I saw him I saw him throw one throw. Like the Giants Twitter posted it, so you mm. know it was gonna be a good throw. And it was like, ah, Danny Dimes, and it was like a perfect pass, you know, like 20, 30 yards down the field. And I just thought, like, well, what happens when there is a safety standing right there and he intercepts the ball and returns it ninety nine yards for a touchdown? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I'm are you are you pumped for football season? I'm not there yet. Um, I'm ready personally. Um, and I think it's because like I am a baseball fan, and the Phillies exhaust me. So like I'm ready for that torture to be over, or at least subside. Like I can pretend the Eagles going to be okay. And honestly, this could just be me being deranged as being a fan of Philadelphia sports. But I'm starting to sell myself on this on this team. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be good. Wow. I think the Eagles might actually be a good football team. Um. Now I could be completely wrong, and I probably am, but I'm I'm starting to drink the Kool Aid again. I think that you guys will be like scrappy. Like I don't think you have a ton of stars on your team. You really don't have close to any. Um, who are your offensive weapons right now in Philly? Um, so Zach Ertz came back, uh, which is great. Dallas Goddard. Miles um, Sanders is your starting running back, right? Yeah. So don't Sanders. tell me Dallas Goddard is like a superstar. I'm talking about like star t- star people. I mean, Dallas Goddard was a top five tight end coming into this year, according to the smarter people than myself. Um, and he is an exciting tight end. But, yeah, Miles Sanders is a star. Devontae Smith, we're hoping, explodes. Oh, Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. he's nice. He, he, he's, uh, you guys stole him from us. I remember that. Um, I'm waiting to see what Travis Fulgham is going to do. He's not a star, but we're, we don't have current stars. We have guys who have shown flashes, and I'm hoping they come back. Okay, interesting. Um, I uh, well, Look, I – you the, the Eagles have as good of a chance as the Giants um, to do we also something just this year. Brought in Stephen Nelson to help um, solidify the secondary. Very okay. productive corner out in Pittsburgh. Got him on an absolute steal of a contract, so that should help things defensively. Fletcher Cox came in as the second best defensive lineman in the in the league this year. Plus the O line, the complete O line is healthy. Brooks is back. Johnson's healthy. Kelsey's uh, back. Jason Peters is not, which is exciting. So Mylotta can start. 
there's a couple reasons to be optimistic. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, you see this this bullshit with Zach Wilson and the Jets already? No, he's he's unsigned right now, and it's like kind of a weird thing because he's the last unsigned first round pick. So the Jets actually have to work out Josh Johnson and Sean Mannion to see who they can sign just to kind of have that quarterback in practice until Wilson signs. If anybody can fuck up this whole situation, it's the New York Jets. The Jets are going to jet and it's like, it's unreal. Now I don't know what Zach Wilson's camp is looking for, but whatever it is, like the Jets picked them where they picked them. He, he gets what he wants at this point. Like you have, You've committed. You got to go in there and just look. What do you want? We got it. You're the Jets. Who the hell else are you paying? Like, they, don't don't tell me money's cheap. They don't know how to do business correctly, Brandon. They need to read like a, a business ethics 101 book. It would. It's not even. Some of it's business. I mean, and Joe Douglas, <laughs> I think, is a great GM. A lot of this is. Of course you do. Yeah. Okay. Look, he built a he built a Super Bowl roster. Ask people who are Jets fans. They tend to like him also. I got you. Don't come over here with Dave Gettleman as your prized horse and start telling me other GMs. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> oh, get man. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Our, our general manager stinks. It, he does. And it's to the point where no one has any hope. Like, even my friends who are Giants fans have no hope in the Giants. And it's solely because the, the guy running it is completely blind. This is coming from somebody – who has dealt with the backlash of Howie Roseman having any kind of keys to the car for the last, God, I feel like my entire lifetime. So, I mean, if I'm coming to you from Howie Roseman's point of view and saying your GM's worse, that is a low bar. I'm going to uh, stick with this football narrative because we had some very breaking news this past uh, day or so. Aaron Rodgers is going to play football for the Green Bay Packers this season. Who would have thought? Wild. He, uh, he, you know, he showed up at training camp. He talked about how he kind of considered retirement at some points, but the the fucking boat, the best of all time, as some people like to call him, boat, is playing God. in in white, green, and yellow. Um, the only thing is, this is absolutely going to be his last season. So there have been a ton of the last oh, dance references. No, no, no. Come hey, Rand- Randall Cobb's coming back, bro. Randall Cobb is returning to Green Bay. It's- I love that deal because it was – it's like when, like, say you forget, like, your anniversary or whatever, so, like, the next day you're, like, super nice to your girlfriend. That is all this is. It's not because they've had their eye on Randall Cunningham, Randall Cobb forever. It's just like, look, Aaron, we're sorry. We got you your favorite receiver. Yeah, Randall Cunningham is a bit old. The next best thing. I got you. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, it makes them better. I mean, they had no weapons. Now he has – yeah, and, and you know that Rodgers always elevates receivers' play. I mean, Cobb left Green Bay. He stunk in, in Dallas. Yeah, well, you go to, uh, he went to Houston and then Dallas. Or one, so, yeah, one I don't of the know. other. I mean, he, he played for two pretty good quarterbacks, so I don't know what Cobb actually has left in the tank, but whatever he does, Rodgers will get out of it. If not, they can have beers after the game and hang out. I'll say this. I think everyone's a winner, other than Bears fans, for the fact that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is still playing football. Like, that's awesome. And he's playing for Green Bay. Like, I don't think any of us wanted to see him go to another team unless it was the New York Football Giants. Um, Do you think he would have ever actually requested a trade? I always thought it was he might just retire and stay the hell with it. I don't think he'd ever play for another team. I don't. I think he would. I think he absolutely would. I, I, if it was like a Tom Brady situation 
where a team like the Buccaneers gave Aaron Rodgers the, the keys to the castle. And they're like, mm-hmm. hey, we're not going to draft Jordan Love in the first oh. round. We're, we're not going to oh. do that. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, if they had that kind of deal with Brady, I think it'd be, I think he would have joined another team. Yeah, tying tying that situation is briefly back to the Eagles. Um, so we both did the same thing. The Eagles signed uh, Jalen Hurts to stare over Carson Wentz's shoulder, mm-hmm. formerly Nick Foles' job. Right. Um, and then the package did the same thing. We tore down the Carson Wentz banner outside of the link because it was time. You know, you don't put past players on the link. It doesn't make any right. sense, right? No. Yeah. We put Nick Foles up. Yeah. Legend. Yeah. We took one guy who doesn't play for the team anymore, put another guy who does not play for the team anymore on the building that Jalen Hurts has to walk into every day. It's kind of a troll job. Why do we keep doing this? There's a guys, statue of Nick Foles. Like, don't know. Every quarterback who plays in the city for the rest of time will have Nick Foles just looking over their shoulder with his above-average penis. Above-average is an understatement. That man's <laughs> got a hog, a hog and a half. Um, and the final little news and scattered news. Did you see this uh, this trailer called King Richard? I watched no. it today. Okay, so it's about the the Williams sisters, Serena and mm-hmm. Venus Williams. Will Smith plays their – I think he's their dad. From the context I took from the preview, I didn't read anything about it, but it just looks like a really good like, – like he trains them when they're kids, like young girls growing up. And, you know, he, he – I just love Will Smith, so I, I don't know what their dad's like, but like he just he looks like he's really bought into this role, and it, it looks like a good movie. I think I actually might want to watch it. I mean, what, I do love Will Smith and just about everything. Um, I might. I'm not going to say I want to watch it because I'd probably be lying. It sounds like a fine film. I just know that after work, I'm not going to be excited to come lay down and watch the Williams sisters train. I can watch them play tennis. They're fantastic. I enjoy watching the finished product more than them learning how to swing a racket, but I'm sure it'll be a great movie. Confirming Richard Williams is their father. He's still alive. He's 79 years old. So about this, um, everyone in the movie is still alive, which is, which is nice. I think it's cool when they make movies about people that are still alive so they can see like, you know, how people depict their lives in cinematic, uh, form. Um, all right, so that does it. We're going to end the show with a top five. So I was working today, Brandon, and I have a job where I can listen to music and work. And I just started rocking out to some like old bands that I used to listen to when I was like 13 or 14. And I went on like a half hour bender of just all these different, you know, pop punk, alternative, whatever bands, Screamo, you, you name it. So I thought a good top five for this week would be our top five bands growing up. All right, I'm with it. All right, so I'll go first. My number five is Simple Plan. The band. I, I cannot say I'm familiar. Oh, my goodness. I performed um, I'm Just a Kid and Life is a Nightmare at my talent show. Oh. Uh, Addicted to You, another great song. Um, I'm missing a bunch, but they were a very soft, like, like, yeah, like, I don't, like whiny rock band, but mm-hmm. I, fucked, I fucked with them hard. Simple Plan. Okay. I think we're both going to exist pretty much in the same genre because most of my upbringing was either classic rock because it was, I don't know about you. I didn't have control of the radio as like a child until I probably hit like 14. It was like my parents had the radio. That's fair. So like a lot of it was classic rock. Um, I guess my, my number five would be um, the beach boys. Wow. Okay. Um, 
so yeah, like my, we never had like new cars, like when I was younger. So everybody had cassettes. And whenever I drive anywhere with my dad, he didn't know, he didn't want to learn how to use the radios. We just kept cassettes of the Beach Boys on deck at all times. And that was the soundtrack to any, any father son road trip. And they kind of grew on me after a while. I love that. I had a very strong connection with my pops uh, music wise. So when I was like 10 or 12, my dad had one of the first iPods and he had about 60,000 songs on it. And I'm not exaggerating. Something like, cause my dad had almost fucking five to 6,000 CDs. My dad, my dad had a ridiculous amount of CDs. So uh, yeah, it's like, like, yeah. Where do you, so where do you put those things? Like I know oh, we had, we had a room changed a lot, but like, <laughs> we, we had like a whole, like, so our T where our TV was in the, in the office room, there was a whole thing with all CDs in it. And that was only like one of three of those. We had three different places we put it. Anyway, I, I'm with you. The, the connection to your dad, the music. I love that. Um, my number four is Lincoln park. I mean, RIP, you know, Chester Benningfield. I loved Loved Lincoln Park. I memorized six to seven songs that I would just scream as a kid. I just, I just loved Lincoln Park so much. Uh, Chester Bennington, RIP Chester Bennington. Um, yeah, Lincoln Park's my number four. Yeah, Lincoln Park is like, it's going to be similar to my number four. That was like, there, like, there's a small generation, not like a Gen Z or Gen X. There's like a cluster of people born at a certain time where that is like the voice of that sub generation. Yep. Um, like I, I work in a home Depot all day, not at home Depot, but in a home Depot. And there's certain songs that will come on and I'll see employees all around the same age, all in like their mid thirties start like either like they kind of bob in their head or like singing quietly, like point to somebody else who knows the song. It's like a small cult thing with Lincoln park. Um, I'm, I'm in that cult. I'm glad you're not. And you're uh, compared to the other people I see who like who have that reaction. Like you still got some years ahead of you before your prime cult. So thank you, enjoy them. Um, my number four is going to be similar. It's going to be Green Day. Um, oh, I like Green Day. Yeah, one of my like one of my best friends growing up. Like he had a pool, and his dad would always just put on like Green Day tapes over and over again. We were hanging out at the pool, and it just became like I'd be walking home. Like I like I'd still have the songs in my head. I didn't own any of the music but I spent so much time there that I just had like green day playing at minimum, probably 40% of the week. What is your favorite green day song? Um, probably 21 guns. Um, it's a good song. There's our yeah. la- later stuff. Yeah. Boulevard of broken dreams is like that Up one. It's too basic Two, It's like really sad. Like, it's not like a yeah. hum along in your head song. It's like, if I heard somebody humming that, I'd probably just check in on them, see if they're doing all right. My number three, uh, I bought this CD when I was a kid. It's The Killers. Mm. Just so many good songs, um, underrated songs that like people might not know. Like Jenny was a friend of mine, awesome song. Uh, all these things that I have done. Then you have like somebody told me a Mr. Brightside, but you know, Bones, Read My Mind. I just, I, I love everything Killers. Uh, that's why they were my number three. I have a friend who has like, who proudly wears like, killers merch like around and he has like killers t-shirts and stuff and like you know most people are like oh you buy it at the it's show you never wear it he like he will wear it out we'll go to the bar and he will have it um he'll just have it on proudly and people stop and they're like oh dude sick shirt like i love the killers some people are like oh hey you know uh, mr Brightside," and he'll just like look at him with like the most disparaging look like don't 
don't, don't, don't. Yeah, that's too. You can't. I mean, you can't. Yeah, you can't say that. That's like, I don't know. That's you. It's like, no. it's like having a guest on this show, and they're like, "Oh, who's your favorite athlete?" Oh, LeBron James. It's like, all right, get, right, get off. right, right, right. Uh, uh, what are we at now? Number three, I think. Yes, you're number three. Okay, my number three will probably be. It's gonna. Ha- it's gonna be um, Bon Jovi. Um, that was my first concert ever. Um, that I admit to. Uh, my mom was a big Barry Manilow fan, so there is footage of me. At love, those. love Barry Manilow. I, bon Jovi's okay, but I love Barry Manilow. <laughs> he puts on a hell of a show. Like, I don't know whose parents bring their eight-year-old to Las Vegas, but mine decided to. And there is just, and somewhere out there, there's footage of me at a Barry Manilow concert, probably surrounded by seven thousand confused middle-aged or um, alternative lifestyle living adults, but. Anyway, Bon Jovi I saw when he came to Philadelphia at what was at that point the Wachovia Center, and that was just awesome. I mean, I think I was like 12 or 13. I just started listening to him, and just going to a rock concert when you're that young was just sick. That was like every time I played baseball for like the next two years, that was just like my like um, in my ears, like my walk into the field music, the car music. Like, it was a big deal. I sent you a skit just now on YouTube. Um, it's an SNL skit called John Bovey. Mm-hmm. They're, okay. a bon, they're a Bon Jovi opposite cover band. It's from like 10, 15 years ago. It's Jason Sudeikis and Will Forte. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the dumbest fucking skit you're ever going to watch, but I think you'll enjoy it because it's Bon Jovi. But like it's, it's so stupid. Okay, I'll um, check it out. My number two, Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's it. That's my yep. number two. They speak yeah. for themselves. Many hits. They go back like three to four decades. Like they've been making music for almost 40 years now. Like fucking insane. Um, the Chili Peppers, easy. Yeah, they, they're one of those bands that need no introduction. Have you seen them live? Never, and I've always wanted to because I have a buddy who's in Vegas. He's a diehard Chili Peppers fan, and me and him have this like dream of seeing a concert together, but we just never did. Yeah, that is, that's one I would absolutely love to see live. I'd like to see them live. I would love to see Blink-182 live. Um, I had the chance. They came to Firefly, which is like a music festival just south of me. Um, I didn't I didn't go, which I should have gone because the day they were on, they had a surprise guest. The surprise guest was Paul McCartney. Which was, oh, you know, yeah. He just popped by for the day and I was sick to my stomach. The fact that I missed um, Blink-182 and Paul McCartney in the same shot. But like I said, yeah, the Red Hot Chili Peppers need no introduction. Their discography goes back longer than most bands have even been together, even. So who's now, your number two? Yeah, number two and one are are, are tough um, because I got into them both simultaneously. But I would have to say number two is probably like Elton John. Okay. Um, I, my mom had the like fantastic. I think it's fantastic, Mr. Fox or whatever album um, was the first one of his that I heard, and. It was just a really interesting blend of like I love country music now, and I get why because I like when like songs tell like a story, have like a beginning and an end. And Elton John isn't it doesn't write down songs. His lyricist is awesome at like starting you here, and then like when the song's over, you feel like you completed something, like you're not left wanting anything. So like I got into it then, and I've listened to him ever since. Um, so yeah, Elton John. Did, and I did saw you the see movie. the movie? There you I go. I saw Rocket Man. It was spectacular. It was one okay. of my favorites for sure. Um, I thought right. it was every bit as good as Bohemian Rhapsody. You want to hear my Elton John impression? Sure. My tea's gone cold. I'm wondering why. Got out of bed at all. I mean, he does have like 
he does have a similar rhythm to a lot of his songs. Well, that that he did that song with Eminem. He did like a live performance of Stan on like an SNL, like I don't know, twenty years ago or something. No, like yeah, like fifteen something years ago. Hmm, I didn't see that one. I saw the check it out. Awesome, they did. It was pretty good. Awesome. Uh, and my number one. This is going to be a shocker to many people because I don't think this is like a lot of people's number one childhood band. But I caught myself listening to an, a, a good amount of corn today. Really? And I just fucking love all like their hits. Like, Word Up, Y'all Want a Single, Coming Undone, uh, Freak on a Leash. But then they have this this cover they do of, you know, the Pink Floyd song, um, Another Brick in the Wall? Yeah. Okay. Oh, of course. Corn does a cover of that song. And I forgot in college before like every sporting event, I would listen to that song and the hair on my arms would stand up and I would just want to, because they make like, it's not a pump up song, but the way they do it, they just, it's awesome. Uh, so corn is my number one. Also my uncle, uh, rest in peace, uncle Mitch. He, uh, when he was alive, he went to Vegas and he had this crazy story about how the drummer from corn, got kicked out of the casino. I don't like, uh, I was so young when I heard it, I was like nine or 10. He's like, yeah, you know, corn. And at the time I was like, fuck yeah. And he was like, yeah, I, I met the drummer. He got kicked out. He had a temper tantrum. So uh, that's my personal connection to corn. Corn is my number one band from my, from my childhood. That is not where I saw that one. That one going like, you just don't hear, I don't, you don't hear a lot about corn in general, let alone at the top of any kind of if we're being honest we're both doing like i mean preference 80s, 90s, I mean, we're not i'm not i'm not trying to win a popularity contest here Brandon. yeah it's just it's just personal and by, and by the way there are a lot of corn huskers out there that's what we call ourselves corn huskers i thought that was what like nebraska called themselves yeah i made that up that's that's not us we're, we're, we're actually just corn heads you can call us corn heads okay it's like the cheese head of grunge rock i, I dig it no hey yeah you do you man um yeah, so my number one would be it's it's another it's another older but I mean it's obviously a super popular band. Um and that's Queen. Um Queen was the first C D that I bought like on my own that I didn't like borrow from my parents or whatever. Um I bought their greatest hit C D and then from that C D I remember picking the songs I liked the most and then buying the album that that song appeared on. And then it kind of spidered outward to where I think at one point I had like a shelf worth of just Queen CDs. Definitely my most expansive collection. I didn't have CDs of anything else. I just had like, you know, LimeWire copies of shit. Um, you might have muted yourself. What is your favorite Queen song of all time? Oh, man. I got to remember the name. Oh, Don't Stop Me Now. Okay. Don't Stop Me Now is like such a good hype song the show must go on another great one um and I, I gotta say i'm not a fan of under pressure i just don't like the song i don't think it's their fault i think vanilla ice ruined it for me <laughs> okay um and that's why that lawsuit will never die because he really did take a song by one of the best bands ever and just completely trash it forever i'm a big another one bites the dust fan that song pumps me up that's a good one. Um, it, it's kind of a pump up song for me. It's too slow to be a pump up song. That's why bam, I like bam, "Don't Stop bam. Me Now." Okay. All right. All right. There you have it. Our number five. Sorry, our five favorite childhood bands from of all time. Uh, honorable mention on this list. I had a few. Some forty one, three days grace, three doors down, third eye blind, 
Weezer, Jimmy Eat World, and Franz Ferdinand. There's a lot of honorable mentions. Yeah, I, dude, I listened to so much music growing up. And then you had the Madden soundtracks and the NBA Live soundtracks mm-hmm. that came out. They were always the fucking best. That's why I loved like Jimmy Eat World because I play NHL 2003 and you would just hear, If you listen, man, whoa, they used to be really good. You're not a big baseball guy, but I'm, I was playing the show before we hopped on this, and that soundtrack is abysmal. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, you go way back to, like, MVP Baseball 2005. They had six soundtracks, too. It was all the sports games in the early 2000s had the best music. Yeah, and then now, I don't know if they're getting ahead of themselves or what. The last good one, but for my money, I think it was NBA, was it 13? Whenever Spike Lee was in charge of music. Um, that was a really good one. Since then, it's been downhill quickly. Agreed. All right, that does it for this week's episode of Two Hours with No Traffic. Thank you for watching or listening, whichever uh, streaming service or podcast you preferred, and we will be back next week. Mm-hmm.